0: Hey y'all, this is Jacob with the Love Period Podcast. Got a little quick hitter for y'all today. This is going to sound a little crazy, but you want to be great? You have to be last. (laughs) I know that sounds, that's completely counter to the world that we live in today of what greatness is defined as. But we're going to look at something today where Jesus defined greatness with something totally different to what the world would define greatness with. And... um, there's just We use that word great for a lot of different things. But you want to be great, you got to be last. If there's one, to use this word, great thing that's happened during this COVID season is the Last Dance documentary series about the Michael Jordan-led Chicago Bulls of the 80s and 90s came out kind of in the middle of this COVID lockdown that we were in. So we were all locked down at our homes and watching this series about Jordan and the Bulls. And this series was just awesome because it gave us a view of a side of Jordan that none of us um, who grew up or were a, a, who were alive were lucky enough to be alive to watch Jordan in his peak play. You know, the media for image reasons, the NBA, the team, all his sponsors, you know, back in the day, they kind of protected athletes so that their image lo- really looked uh, really good. So they just kind of had this persona in public. And this documentary let us see behind the scenes of more of who Jordan really was, how he interacted with his teammates. We got to see how he played with this competitive rage and just constantly worked hard. He outworked everybody. He had the talent and he had the work ethic. And it was just just been awesome. It was an awesome series to watch, to kind of define, see what made him great, see what separated him from the rest of his peers in his sport. But that word great, we've kind of numbed that word down in today's world. Uh, we can say that, you know, restaurants all the time will claim they've got the world's greatest hamburger or they're, they're like in the movie, the elf movie, <laughs> the world's best cup of coffee. And we use that word great and we use it very quickly, very quickly to use it now. Almost deleted, diluted the word. We use the word great sarcastically. A lot of times my air conditioner went out of our, our house this month. It's August, August down here in Georgia gets pretty hot and I can remember, you know when the AC went out, I say, Oh, that's just great. AC's out. I mean, that's anything but great. You want to be great. You have to be last, but that's not the definition. And we use it, not a sarcastic, Hey, you need to be last. You need your air air conditioner uh, to go out. In this little piece of scripture I'm going to read to us today. It seems that Jesus is reading, telling us a story about something that, uh, it just It's just counter. And usually we're in a good spot when Jesus' message is counter to what we see in the world today. This comes from the book of Mark, chapter 9, verses 30 and 32. And the scripture says, They went on from there and passed through Galilee. So here's the disciples and Jesus. They're on their traveling ministry. They're walking between towns. They're going back to Galilee. And Jesus did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. And they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. So he's telling the disciples of what's coming. He's, he's saying, listen, boys, this has been great. We've performed a lot. We've done a lot of great work and not a lot of great ministry. But I'm going to be captured. I'm going to be delivered into the hands of men. And they are going to kill me. And then when they kill me, I'm going to. after three days, I'm going to rise. He is foreshadowing his coming, capture, crucifixion, death, and resurrection. The text goes on to say, but they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to ask him. Yeah, I kind of get that. They were a little bit afraid to ask him. He's reminding them of this moment. I love that they didn't understand it, because there's a lot about Scripture that I don't understand. So here are the disciples, these titans of our faith, who were confused themselves. It gives me a little bit of comfort to know that when I get confused in, in Scripture, that uh, to know that the guys who are right there with him for all of these miracles, for all of his ministry— They were confused, too. The text goes on to say, and then they came to Capernaum, which is kind of like their hometown where they set up base there, the disciples of Jesus. And when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? Here we go again. Another on the way moment with Jesus. So when they were walking on the way, Jesus could see the boys over there talking. He knew what they were talking about. He's almighty God but he, he was reeling them in. He was the master of asking questions. Jesus loved to teach by asking questions, and this is exactly what's happening here when he looks at the disciples as they've gathered, and he says, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. Jesus, knowing all things, he asked this question, and the disciples on the way, their discussion after Jesus had foreshadowed his death They were confused about him talking about his capture, death, and resurrection. So on the way, they were talking amongst themselves and having the dumbest argument in the history of mankind about who was going, who was the greatest. Just one of those crazy arguments. The things that they'd seen Jesus perform in the miracles, all of the great ministry they had seen Jesus do. The great teaching, all of that, and they're arguing with each other about who's going to be the greatest when Jesus leaves. I mean, just totally focused on themselves, not on the message of what Jesus had. They, they, all they caught from what Jesus was saying, his foreshadowing was, Jesus is going to be gone. He's going to die. They didn't, they didn't catch the rest of it. So all they do is they shift gears, self-centered, man, gosh. The root of our core of all of our sin is self-centeredness. Is us thinking about ourselves, elevating ourselves above, above others, attempting to make ourselves have this appearance of being better than we are. Uh, if we can't appear great, just make ourselves appeal, appear better than the guy next to us. You know, it's really easy. Compare my strengths against somebody's weakness. That's an easy way to elevate ourselves. That's a game we win every time. You want to make yourself feel good for just a mo- moment, a little hit of dopamine? Make yourself compare your strengths to somebody else's weaknesses. That's an easy game to play. And this is what these disciples were doing on the way. They heard Jesus was, Jesus has said he's going to die. So they start arguing amongst themselves about who's going to be the greatest when he leaves, when he is gone. This is the equivalent of when Michael Jordan retired, the remaining Chicago Bulls arguing about which one of them was now going to be the greatest. It's like, well, well, none of y'all are going to be as great as Jordan was. So what exactly are you arguing about Steve Kerr, Tony Kukot, Scottie Pippen? What, what's the argument? <laughs> and this is what these disciples are wrapped up in, just this self-centeredness, this focused focused on themselves and not on Jesus. The story goes on. Jesus kind of gathers them around in this moment, and he sits them down, and as he calls the 12 together. Verse 35 says, and he sat down, and he called the 12. I love that. I love just the visual of Jesus kind of sitting down in the moment, leading with a question, bringing everybody kind of around like huddle up, huddle up, fellas. He sat down and called the 12 and said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Jesus is saying, you want to be great in my kingdom? You'll be on the floor washing feet. You want to be great? You'll place yourself last. You want to be great? You'll take what you want and you will set it down lower lower than the needs and the desires of others because you want to see other people succeed. You want to see other people taken care of. You will put other people's needs above your own. You want to be great? You want to be last. You want to be great? You got to be last. You know, that counters everything that we think of today. Everything that we think of what makes people great is totally different to this vision that Jesus is giving the disciples in his kingdom. Seeing God's kingdom up is down and down is up. It's an upside down kingdom. There's a book um, by Simon Sinek, and when I saw the title, I had not heard of Simon Sinek before. It's called "Leaders Eat Last." It's a great book. Uh, a lot, a lot of um, I've seen it in a lot of different leaders' offices, managers' offices. I've heard Simon speak on it several times, but I knew the title of the book when I saw it. Leaders eat last. It was something a concept I had already heard of, and I'd seen it when I was in the military. When I would, we would have some kind of Squadron dinner or picnic or meal or something. The officer in charge would always wait until everybody else had had went through the line to get their food or went through the line to get their drinks. The officer, he would always wait. They would always wait for everybody to go through before they would eat. Always ensuring that the troops were taken care of first, that that was their primary responsibility. Leaders Eat Last talks about this concept that that notes that leaders, that they have empathy, that true leaders, true great leaders care about people. They, they, they care about people, their people over uh, every priority of the business organization. And that's one of the most important traits of a leader. That book also says that, um, up, that that leadership is upside down, that it is that leaders are servants of those that they that they lead in their organizations. I just love it when I love it when if there is no sacred secular divide, but I love it when things outside of scripture confirm what scripture has been saying for thousands of years and this is exactly kind of what happens in Leaders Eat Last. I would suggest taking a going on YouTube watching some videos of Simon Sinek or or getting the book and taking a and reading the book Leaders Eat Last. It's just another one of those examples of of outside the biblical world catching up to biblical standards of of what defines a great leader. This is the concept of leadership that Jesus is showing the disciples and us when he says that you want to be first, you've got to be last. Our intentions matter. It doesn't mean that we don't chase promotions or improvements in our work life or continually try to get better. This concept is make sure and ensures that our motivations, that we think about our motivations. Our motivations matter. Yes, improve, be excellent. But check our motivations. Are we just looking to, to make our email signature longer? Are we looking for ways to elevate our greatness over other people's weaknesses so we can feel like that we're better than somebody? I and mean, how pathetic of it is it for us when that is our motivations to just be better than the, than the people we may have around us just so that we may try to uh, try to make that inner middle school kid that we all are feel a little bit better about being ourselves. Jesus is telling us that here's an example of listen, you want to be great? Take care of those people that you're with. Put their needs first. Step down. Be on the floor. You want to be great? You got to be last. And in the story, Jesus and in this story goes on where Jesus pulls a child kind of into the mix in this moment. He says, if anyone will be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, taking him in his arms. He said to them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. He basically says, whoever receives a child in my name and whoever receives me doesn't just receive me. You receive God. Of all the options Jesus could have used, he brings a kid into this moment. At this time in history, children were considered essentially useless to people. If you were the last born child in this century, in this time, I mean, hey, baby kids today, y'all are lucky. If you're the last born today, this was a totally different world in this time. But Jesus is bringing this child in to say, listen, he brings in what, would, what was the lowest, air quote, lowest in the room To say anybody who receives this child and elevates this child and cares for this child, you're elevating what is last. Whoever receives this child in my name receives me. You bring this kid into this mix and you lift this kid up. You receive the lowly. Then you've received me and you've received God. You want to be great? Be like this kid. And why not kids? When's the last time that you've laughed and had joy like a kid? You know, when you tickle a kid and they laugh so hard, they stop making a noise. They're laughing so hard. When's the last time that you've laughed like that? How about kids, those little kids, those little three, two and three-year-olds and just that big love that they have for people? They don't hold back. They're not jaded by the world. They don't fear looking weak or soft like us men do when we just say to a buddy, we'll say, yeah, I love you, man. We don't throw the I in front of it and we end it with a comma, man. Kids will just say, "I love you." (laughs) When's the last time we had big love like that, like kids do? Kids have simple faith; their belief is easy. Love God, love people. The end. Kids have no problem understanding that. They have no problem living like that. And Jesus says He brings this kid into the mix. He says, "You want to be great, you have to be last." See, Michael Jordan had a struggle. We've learned in his his approved autobiographies that Jordan has had a struggle with dealing with not being able to perform at that great level anymore. He just played with a competitive rage and pursued greatness at all costs. It didn't matter who he ran over uh, to be great. That's one of the one of the weaknesses of, of pursuing greatness in that way. Jordan has said that he hates being alone right now. It, he struggles with dealing with being quiet. He struggles with sleep. He can't sleep without having some kind of noise. His mind is always thinking about being great. he Jordan said this. He said, it consumed me so much. I'm my own worst enemy. I drove myself so much that I'm still living with some of those drives. I'm living with that. I don't know how to get rid of it. I don't know if I could. And here I am still connected to the game, a game that he can no longer play. So he, it's just a part of this, one of those side attributes of pursuing greatness in that way. Those same struggles exi- exist for us when we pursue titles and accomplishments to greatness. But we just got to check ourselves in pursuing that kind of worldly greatness. Push, when we push aside the, the forgotten, the abandoned, the sick, the homeless, the left behind, when we push those people to the side, we're not putting ourselves last. We've got to put people last. We've got to put ourselves last. You want to be great? You got to be last. Welcome people in the name of Jesus with big hearts. And I'll close with a story. I'll wrap things up right here. There's a story of a Native American tribe. They they had been weakened um, by another tribe in battle, and they were escaping at nighttime, And they came to a river crossing. It was a raging river. It was cold. There had been some melting snow, and there were lots of elderly and sick folks in that in that tribe. Uh, many kids in that tribe who were just trying to uh, flee and save their life. Well, the chief of the stronger tribe of the stronger the chief of the tribe um, pulled the stronger folks to the side and said. I need y'all to carry the weaker folks, carry the children, carry the sick, carry the elderly. I need you to carry them across this river. If we're going to make it across this river, if we're going to survive, I need you to carry them. Some of those folks, they ignored the chief's orders and they tried to cross the river alone. And one by one, they were swept away. You see, they didn't weigh enough. On their own, they didn't weigh enough to get across that river. Now, the ones who were carrying the extra weight, what they thought was a burden... Carrying the extra weight of those weak people, the people who were, who were injured, the people who were sick, the people who were elderly, the children, the ones who carried that extra weight, that perceived burden, that load kept their feet secure and grounded. If we keep being, if we keep being focused on ourselves, on our own personal greatness, and we keep seeing other people as a burden that we can't carry, this life's going to sweep us away. We're going to get lost. We're going to be swept away by by just the currents of life. When we love God and love people, when we serve and care for the forgotten and the abandoned, we'll realize it's not about us and it's not a burden at all. It's what keeps us grounded, keeps us connected together. It may feel like a burden, but y'all, that's freedom. That's where we find stability. That's where we'll find freedom and that's where we'll find Jesus. And that's where we'll find that true, holy greatness in life. You want to be great? You got to be last. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. This little quicken, quicken, this little quicken (laughs) ran over a few minutes. We'll see y'all next time.